Lord, we submit ourselves to you because you're the king of the universe. There's none like you. We have your written revelation in our hands. We thank you for that. This gift that we can read what you've said and are saying is amazing. And to think that you would take the time, Lord, in history to put words to pages through men and women so that now we could read it and know your heart and live in your way. Lord, we just don't give you enough thanks for the Bible, but we do it as we look to it as our source of truth and our true north. We look to your word because it's always right so that we could live in the right. Now help us as we step into this new series and this new season as a church in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, obviously you see from the screens, we're in a first week of a new series called Learning uh, to Lead. And I just want to start with a question. Today's going to be a little bit of background. Have you ever had like a really good opportunity spoiled by someone who was a part of it that you just didn't see eye to eye with? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, this really good thing, but then they came along. Um, well, I was, I was in college, and I, early on, 16 years old, I just knew uh, I was called, don't ask me why, called by God to share the good news, right? And so I went to a school that had an emphasis in something called evangelism, proclaiming the good news so I could prepare myself to, to do this kind of thing. But the problem is when you go to school like that, how do you get a job in evangelism? Like, you think your career choice is hard? How do you actually, actually do it? So I did an internship in my senior year with a great evangelist named Luis Palau, who was in the city where I was going to school doing an outreach so that I could learn and muscle my way in and, and learn in a formal way. And God opened that door. So I, I graduated on a Saturday, packed up on a Sunday. My wife and I and our little cat um, got in a car and we drove to Tyler, Texas to work with Luis Palau on an outreach. Now, the Palau organization is here in Portland, but they had leaders go in and out of the city and work with local leadership. So my wife and I were moved there for six months to work on this and be a part of it. And to me, it was like this great joy and honor and privilege. And I was given as the manager of that event, a guy named Colin. Some of you here know him. And I've known Colin now for 25 years. And he is, he's a great leader because he has these gifts of encouragement. He sees one little thing in your life and he makes it like the diamond. You are the, you are the best at. And so he did that. I'm just a new college graduate and I know it all because I have a degree, but I don't know anything. And so he took me under his wing, and he really showed me love and care. He has prophetic gifts, so he, he would at times speak into our life the words of God. I'm like, wow, this is great. And so it was great. Every, he would come in once a month, and it was wonderful. It was a highlight that when he would come in for a week and just be with him. But then there are other people, and they're going to remain nameless, um, that made it hard. I think one lady in particular who was the local office manager and she didn't work with Luis Palau long term. She was living there and she was great at administration and given the job of kind of tasking out what Colin and the team had to do. But she was hard to work under, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, she had to be in the middle of everything. Had to know everything that was going on, everything about everything about everything about everything. And when you have like my temperament and someone's looking over your shoulder all the time, want to know everything about everything, I want elbow room, you know? And so I found out to be hard. She was emphatic that I take out the trash regularly. And I didn't care for that, you know, um, at all. As a matter of fact, I didn't think that was in my job description at all. As a matter of fact, you're the office manager. Maybe you should take out. I had, I had big humility early on. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. 
So I don't want to slam her, but for me, in my lens of how I saw that experience, it was really, really difficult because I had this great opportunity with a hard person to work with. But sometimes a negative experience is really, really helpful. And so that was the beginning of me learning what leadership can and should be. What makes for a great experience? Like, like that great restaurant experience where you walk in, you feel like you're the superstar and, and you ought to go there as often as possible. What makes for a great job where you go into work and you're energized by being in that environment? What makes for a thriving family where you can't wait to get home and be a part of the day-to-day of life or just a project together with new people? What makes for greatness? I'm going to suggest, it's on the slide, leadership. We just finished a series called Follow Me, where we were looking at seven essentials on what it means to be a disciple to Jesus, what it means to grow under his leadership, learning the basics. That's where it begins. But if you read the Bible carefully, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John tell the Jesus narrative, but then it goes to Acts, and you realize that post-Jesus, leadership in God's family continues. It continues through men and women, just like us. And so the Holy Spirit is given, Jesus' self is given to us in the community so we can continue the work of Jesus. And Jesus, through his people, continues to transform ordinary people or broken people, messed up people, unqualified people into greatness. And I think that's one of the beautiful things. And then you get all of these letters written by some of these leaders to us in the churches to inspire us to live the way of Jesus. So we're going to ask ourselves in this next season as a church, how do we learn to lead in light of Jesus? This isn't just going to be leadership about how to run a great meeting or how to build a great staff or how to forge a great company. We want to learn how to live our lives under Jesus' leadership and let him shape us so no matter where God sends us in this world, you and I are his representatives. And we take the task that God gives us and bring Jesus' influence into that task, whether your company or your career path or most of your time is spent around Jesus' people or not. God wants you and I to thrive as his leaders in his World. So what we're going to do is we're going to look, if you've got a Bible, go to 1 Timothy. We're going to look at a letter from a leader to a younger leader. We're going to look all throughout this next season at a letter, a real letter to a young leader by a seasoned veteran. And what we hope to do is out of this conversation of a real person to a real person, a couple things are going to happen. One, we're going to glean wisdom as someone who has experience in the faith is passing it down to his young son. But we're also going to learn how to read the Bible. It's a side, beautiful benefit. How do I take an ancient letter written by a guy named Paul to a young buck named Timothy? How do I apply that to me working at Intel today? How do I see what God said and what God was saying there and apply it to daily life? One of the benefits of going through a letter line by line and phrase by phrase, we're actually going to learn how to read all of the Bible by reading parts of it and learning to discern how to read and understand and then apply in a way that's fitting for all of us. So today all I want to do is simply read the introduction. By the way, we did it and now we're going to read about it. 
We're affirming leaders here because that's Jesus' calling. But now we're going to talk about why we do it and how we do it. So 1 Timothy 1, just verses 1 and 2 to set the stage for for the next few weeks and months. Uh, Let's read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, Paul and Timothy. So we're looking at a conversation between two people. Some of you may be new to the Bible. Let me just catch you up on where this letter sits. Paul, if you read the book of Acts, it tells us the activity of the early leaders. And he took at least, that we know of, three extended trips to fulfill his calling. And Paul's calling was quite clear. Go to the non-Jewish cities. When, when Jesus interrupted Paul's life, he said, you're going to be one of my spokesmen, one of my messengers to the non-Jews, to the Gentiles. So he had a real clear calling. And we see it in verse 1. What does he say? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God. So he knew his calling, and he takes these three journeys. And along the way, he and a band of other men and women go about preaching good news, planting churches, and it's cyclical. So they'll go to these communities, and then they'll go back and visit these communities, strengthen them, and visit some new ones. And then they'll go back again and visit these communities and extend their their influence. And so Paul's strategic. Now, in between the visits, he writes these letters because he loves people. And so this is beautiful. Wherever he goes, he doesn't leave people. It's till I see you again. And so he's always thinking about the church where he was as he's planting the new church. And so he hears what's going on. He sends people. This is pre-internet. There was a time. I, I grew up before it, but I actually don't remember life without my devices. Like I think about it as a kid growing up, how did my parents ever find me? How did they ever know where I was? I can't tap an app and say, find my phone. Like, oh, I know where all of them are. I was just, they had to find, trust Jesus that I would come home. Anyway, I digress. But because of no tech, he would send people like with bread and some money and say, go and travel four days in dangerous territory and bring me back a report. And then he would write these letters. And, and what we find here is we think that Paul encountered Timothy on the first trip around. Now, it, some have suggested that he even became a real Jesus follower because of Paul. Others would say, no, he actually just catapulted in his faith because of Paul. Either way, on the first trip, they meet each other and Timothy is touched. You ever have someone in your life, they stepped in, could have been a teacher years ago, could have been a pastor years ago, could have been an author or a podcast, and they just got you at the right time. And you're just, you're built up by them. Well, the fun part is, is Paul goes back into that area in a crucial time. Here's what I want us to see, is God brings people in our world at times for seasons for reasons that are beyond whatever we would imagine. And so if you read Acts 15, because Timothy shows up for the first time in Acts 16. Well, let's just read it, and I'll tell you the scenario. Acts 16, 1 and 2. Paul came to Derby, which is a town, then to Lystra, which is another town, where a disciple, so at this point he's already a follower, named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek or a Gentile, not a Jewish. The believers at Lystra and Iconium 
spoke well of him. So by the time Paul really gets to know Timothy, he already has a reputation for integrity and following Jesus. He's already an emerging leader. But I want us to see the strategy of God. If you read the verses right before it, you realize that Paul is in a turning point in his own life. He had a long-term partner named Barnabas. And Barnabas and Paul would go everywhere. And they were really close until some friction came between some of their team members, some disagreements. There was a guy who disappointed them. Barnabas was like, no, he's great. Let's bring him on. And Paul's like, no, he, he stuck us and stabbed us in the back. And I don't think he's the kind of guy I want on my team. Well, this, this, this discussion grew to a disagreement, grew to a parting of ways. And that happens at times, even in Jesus' family. And they loved each other, but said, you know what? Why don't you and your group go one way? We're going to go another way. So Paul now is on round two of his journeys, and he's without his closest confidant. First time. Ever have that happen to you? You, you just had this team member. You had this relationship that you really leaned on, and, and now his is gone. And he goes to these towns, and I want us to see what God provides. God provides the right person at the right time. And the same could be said of you, and the same could be said for me. You can look back at your life, and you're going to realize, wow, where did they go? How did they get here? And you're going to see if you're open in your eyesight. The rhythm of God is he brings people in at the right place at the right time to do the right thing in your world for your good, and often he'll move the pieces again. And sometimes you move, you think it's because of a job or a relationship or a misfortune, and you forget that a loving God is using all sorts of circumstances because he knows you and he knows others, and he's a beautiful master artist, and he puts us together. And that's what happens in their life, and that's what's happened in my life. And that's what's happening in your world. We want to learn. We're learning to lead. It's not like it happens once. Six weeks, read my book, listen to my podcast. You're a leader. It doesn't happen that way. It just doesn't. We're always learning. We're learning. And so what in this season do you need to learn to step up to the leadership place that God has already set out for you? So they become super close, intimate, to the point where Paul writes letters, he co-authors them with Timothy. 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians are co-written. So not only does he join the team, he becomes a key leader in the team, and God does this. So why the letter? We're, we're going to look at 1 Timothy. We're not going to look at 2 Timothy and Titus, although we may pull in some of that material. But I just want us to see a sampling of what leadership could be like for us. Why the letter? Well, he tells us in the letter, just drop to 1 Timothy 3, verse 14. 1 Timothy 3, 14 says, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. He tells us why he's writing the letter. He wants to come back. He sends him uh, to Ephesus, but At this time, we think Paul is in prison in Rome. He was in prison not because of anything he'd done, because of the integrity of his life in God. Others would come and lie about him, and often they would incarcerate Paul while they checked out the details. And so he had an integrity in his soul, yet he was put in prison for the faith. And so he's thinking about these churches, and he sends Timothy out 
to make sure the people in God's family are living in the right way. Timothy, there's some things that maybe they didn't understand. There's some things they're not applying. I'm sending you there. And he writes this letter to them while they're away. Just two thoughts this morning about leadership. They're going to be a bit of a framework. And we'll really dive in next week. But two thoughts I thought would be helpful just from his introduction. Let's just read the introduction again. 1 Timothy 1, 1 and 2. Let's read it. Paul. An apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. First thought I want you to write down. Leadership is influence. What is, what is, you know, it's a loaded term. What is leadership? I think at its foundational level, especially when it comes, remember we're narrowing our thoughts to what it means to be a Jesus follower in Jesus' family, how we're going to lead together, but you can apply this to anything in life. Leadership ultimately is influence. So we ask ourselves, am I a leader? Are you a leader? I think some of us would say, no, no, I'm, I'm not a leader, but I'm a good follower. And I, I would nuance that to say we're always following and we're always leading because we're always influencing. What is a leader? A leader is simply an influencer. So there's formal leadership, so we get this. Uh, uh, parents lead in the family, right? And managers lead uh, a staff, and teachers lead a classroom, and pastors and, and elders and deacons lead in a church. CEOs lead in a company, and coaches lead teams. So there's formal roles, and you may or may not have one of those formal roles, but having the role doesn't make you a leader. It's the influence that you weigh over people, which will be seen by others. Ever have that person that you realize they're in charge, but they're actually not leading? They're not influencing in a healthy way. Yes, they have the role, and they definitely have the salary. They have the better office. They have the esteem. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, how is my leadership temperature? How am I doing? Do I even see that I have influence? Because Paul has it formally. Look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle. You don't make yourself an apostle. He was appointed as an official messenger of the good news to make sure that it was written and held for us. So he writes Bible. I like to write. I don't write the Bible. Paul is the authority as an apostle sent, commanded by God and by Christ Jesus, our Savior, our hope. So he has a formal role in the church. How, how did he get it? Jesus said, I am sending you. Okay, game on. <laughs> Jesus says, go, I'm there. But leadership is broader than a job and it's bigger than a paycheck or a title. It's influence. So in that sense, everyone in this room no matter your age, your stage, your education, your experience, you are an influencer. Question is, how are you, how are you using your God-given influence? I think of a couple of people. Just, just this week is really interesting as I was thinking about today and the start of the series. I was at a lunch on Monday uh, for Mike McDonald and Penny Stady. I don't know if Penny's here today, but Penny's one of our deacons. And uh, she and Mike have helped lead for almost a decade something called Hear the Cry, which is a ministry that shows compassion and justice 
through the church around the world. And so we've been a part of their lives. And well, they both, I'm not sure if all of you know this, they both felt called to help serve another ministry that we love uh, called the Bible Project. And so they joined their team. Well, on Monday, there was just a lunch for uh, a chance to honor them, right? So they had already taken this new position. And so I went to the lunch. I love them. I love what they're doing. And I appreciate their investment. And it was really interesting. Uh, Lunch was good. Conversation after was stellar. And I just wish you were there. Because people, there are about 40 to 50 people. Um, Most of them didn't work directly with Mike and Penny, but they knew them. And they began to tell stories of how influential the two of them were in their life. And I remember when I first came and started serving here, you guys had this big reputation and hear the cry. And then we were in the hallway my first week. And I said, oh, man, could we get together? And you stop what you're doing. And we got together right then. And you took time for me. Like all of these stories that seem anecdotal. And I'm sitting there in the corner. I'm watching. You ever have that in the room where everyone's head's going up and down saying like, yep, yep. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, the details were different, but the story was the same because even though you may not know who they are, because of who they are, they've touched so many lives beyond their titles. I was at a meeting just last night here in the other room. It was a little fundraiser for Intentional uh, Parenting International, something we're supportive of financially as a church. And how many of you know the name Phil and Diane Comer? Some, some of you know them. And it was a night just to, for them to share the story of what God's doing through their new work and get behind it. And all the storytelling of what one couple, husband and wife, who just loved Jesus and raised a family and all of the influence. And now there was a couple from Albania who flew in to tell the story. And he's like a top elected official. And he's like the material this couple is sharing can shape the next generation of parents in our country. Whoa! I thought this was just a mom and dad. And then you realize all of us have influence. Now, you may not write a book, okay? You may not start a new thing, and it doesn't matter. You already are an influencer. In Jesus, what are you doing with the influence he's given you? So how do we grow in this area? I'm glad you asked. Second thing that you ought to write down, you're so good at asking good questions. Um, Leadership is relationship. What is leadership? It's influence. You and I have influence in people's lives, and leadership is relationship. You in, your influence will grow through the people that you're around. The essence of leading always comes back to people. You may be a project manager, but the project requires people. And so even though your tasks may not be very, maybe you're, you're the person that's in front of the keyboard and 16 screens and you're crunching data all day. God bless you. That frightens me. That would, that would drive me insane. Give me a window, give me coffee, give me people. But your leadership is still going to come down to an email and a phone call and lunch hour and other people. All leadership is relational. So look at verse 2. To Timothy, my true son in the faith. Notice how he frames it. Father and son. The letter opens with this beautiful picture of what it means to be Jesus' people and how we lead one another. We lead one another tenderly. Now, this is not always going to work out the same way when you're in a work environment 
or in a cultural environment where there's all sorts of worldviews, you can't call everyone father or everyone mother or auntie or son. Like, there are going to be some differences in relationship where you can say, like, I'm working with you, but we're not, we're not on the same path. But when it comes to us, when it comes to us affirming uh, a new pastor and their family, when it comes to us inviting you to join one of the teams, whether it's set up or tear down, whether it's to work with our kids or our youth, whether it's to be here early to pray, whatever those things are, God's going to drop you because he already has, but he's going to put you in relationship with people that you and I are called to build so deeply into that we can talk about each other as family. Church is not a building and it's not a gathering. It's not an event. It's not a tax-deductible institution. It is a family. It's God's household. My son in the faith. Now, Paul's not biologically related to Timothy. And God will do this in some relationships in your life. Not everyone will be as intimate as this. But I think the beautiful thing, the reason I want us to tap into their leadership story is because what happens when two people grow deeply in relationship with each other, in relationship with Jesus, what can we learn? Well, my point from this morning is that God is always going to use people to shape you. So don't underestimate that. I think it's great if you read more books. I, I love to read. I, I want to read a book a week, right? And because I do this for a living, it kind of cheats. It helps because like, I'm reading a lot for this kind of stuff. But I, I want to be a lifelong learner. There's podcasts that I love. There's videos that I watch. There's people that have influenced my life that I've never met. All of that is good. So relational um, leadership isn't just always I see you every week. There are people who can speak into your life you never meet. But I don't want us to miss the, the genuine nature of their love for one another. They knew each other. They traveled together. They had hard times together. They, they had funny stories. You know they had funny stories. You know, remember when, remember when we went to that guy's house and they had to have funny stories together. How do you not try to share the gospel, get thrown in jail and not laugh? Because this is funny. I mean, it's not, but it's like this. How do we get into this again? And how did God get us out again? So they had their insider stories. God is using people to shape you. Here's the crazy thing. It's not like he's going to do it. He's doing it right now. All I want us to see in this series is what God's already doing. He put you in this church if this is your church family because there are people you are going to deposit into without even knowing it. You being you, talking the way you talk, loving the way you love, serving the way you serve, just being who you are, other eyes are watching. And the same way, you're going to be the beneficiary. Why church? Why people? Why not just two or three best friends on a couch discussing Jesus together? It's because this is a rad mix-up of people who would never be together apart from Jesus. And sometimes we think what we need is the people that are most like us, and then we discover the truth. I need the people that are least like me to really shape me. Now, the people that are most likely will affirm my awesomeness and overlook my blind spots. But the people that are unlike me could be used of the Holy Spirit to bring out beautiful things and chip away things that are unlike Jesus. And so I want to encourage you 
to have your eyes open to the people God has deposited in your world. I'm just going to list off a few because I want us to, to see real people. Like, I think about my parents. My parents are still influencing my life. I think of John and Nancy Leatsis. I was in high school youth group for just four years, and they profoundly shaped me. Four years in high school. I told Nancy once, I was like, I think I should preach youth group because I don't have a problem with humility, right? And I'm 16, and she's like, I think it's a great idea. What do you want to talk about? And she let me. And then she let me do it again. They opened the door. Do you know by 15? I'm sorry, I get choked up a lot around here. I was playing drums. Our church had probably 1,000 to 2,000 people, and I was playing drums on Sunday morning. Why? John and Nancy were the youth pastors, but they were also some of our best musicians, and they included me in. My timing was mediocre at best. My skills were mediocre at best, but they believed in me, and they threw me in there, and they let, didn't let me wiggle out of it. And they loved me. I think of, um, sorry, I'm overly emotional this morning. Head cold, it does it to me. Um, <laughs> it really does. Uh, Carmen, my wife, we've had, uh, Friday we celebrated 30 years together. We dated for five years, we married for 25. Um, yes. Um, and I, I don't know why, but you hit numbers and people applaud. Thank you. So, so God put someone who's, we're just, we're so like each other now because when you get married for a long time, you just dress alike. It just happens. And, and our color palette is so narrow, it's 100% guaranteed. But, but we're so different in so many ways. And yet she has shaped me to be loving at times and kind <laughs> and kind and, and, and more organized as best as my organizational abilities will ever get to and she's just better and God puts us together. Luis Palau that I mentioned, uh, Phil and Diane Comer on parenting and, um, and our elders. You know, when, when I was invited to help lead a church, I was very clear. I've, I've been a part of a church since I was a kid, but I've, I've never been like at this kind of leadership. And everyone was like okay with that. I don't think they realized how risky that was. And, but Tony and Beth and Steve and Vicky and Scott and Orlina and so many others have been part of the story. They have shaped me on how to be a leader in God's church. I, I didn't know what I know now. And it's because their experience and patience they would let me vent. I get the vein that comes out. And that would just be so, dark, 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 dark. and I can remember having lunches with Tony and it just, calm. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe Intel did that to you. Maybe they knocked all the passion out of you as they kept you in that cube. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, but we, we had these times together. It's like, man, I know what it's like to have fathers and mothers, Right? And I want that. I want that for my kids. I want that for you. <coughs> I do have a tissue under there, and my sweet wife is so fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, baby. For years, I've never brought tissues in there, and this morning, I'm like, guaranteed. I, I should. So I'm always like, hi. She's like, I don't have any. Um, what, do we, what do we need to grow to be more like Jesus in our leadership? We have it in verse 2. It's here. He says, grace, mercy, 
peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That is grace, God's favor, God's care, God's good. We get that. You say, like, oh, I haven't been really good or I'm not aware of, I can't do this. You get grace. And now, mind you, all letters in the ancient world all started with an introduction. So it's just a standard, like we say, to dear so-and-so, what's up? Or whatever you say to start. It's just like your filler. They had their filler. But for this, I think it's more. It's grace. It's mercy, which is kindness, compassion, pity. Some of us, we just need, like, we need to know that God has pity, profound care and love, and he knows where we're at, and he knows how far off we can be, and he still cares for us. And then peace, which is what you need whenever you're thinking about growing in leadership, which is this idea of wholeness and goodness, God's care in the world. It comes from God. So the series is about more than leadership in general. There's thousands of books that are eloquent on how to run companies. What we want to do is say, we've been given the Holy Spirit. We're following Jesus. Now, how do we rise up? How do we rise up and be the men and women that we're called to be? Now, that does not mean, hear me, it doesn't mean a new title. It doesn't mean a new role. It doesn't mean a new pay scale. It, it, it may mean more sacrifice, for sure. But it just means being more intentional about the influence and the relationships that are already given to me. You already have it. So it's being about the Jesus-following mom that you're called to be with grace and mercy and peace and, and, and not more you're never going to or why don't you. We don't, need, we don't need more of that. What we need is these good things from God. Now, this is already happening. So you say like, well, okay, this is cool. So how do we live this out? Now, I said there are formal and informal relationships. You know, parents and CEOs and managers, that's formal. Apostles, pastors, formal. And then there's the informal. I want us to look at one of the formal ways we're doing it here, knowing that for most of us, the informal, just the, you join the setup team or the coffee communion team, you see people regularly, you get to know them, and you meet offline and say, let's grab a coffee. I just want to know your story. You want to know the tip of growing in leadership? Stop talking. Start listening and just say, I want to know my story? You want to know my story? Yeah, I want to know all of it. And if we'll allow people to open up and listen, man, great things are going to happen. Now, one of the formal ways is something called Life on Life. So Mike and Chris Akinson, um, before we, we respond and we worship, I want to invite you to come up now if, if you guys wouldn't mind. Mind? If not, it's going to be really awkward. Um, so welcome, Mike and Chris. Yeah. Now, as they, as they come, uh, A, they don't want to do this, but I forced them. And uh, we had dinner on Monday, and we're talking about life on life. Let's talk about it on Sunday. Really? <laughs> Says Chris. She's just a saint. Um, and this is going to be a straw poll. This could be really embarrassing. I'm off. How many of you have ever had Mike or Chris say hello to you at church? How many? Okay. There you go. Enough said. And for that reason, you're great leaders. Now, you both answer either one. Um, just give us a bit uh, on, on, well, give us, Mike, your career. You retired from doing what? 
Well, I, I taught um, elementary school and um, in the Beaverton School District. How many years? Well, 31 years with my own class, and then I substituted for 10 more years after that. Look at that. That's now I'm retired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, with this church, you got to be honest. Mm. So we, we, did, we did golf on Monday, mm. and did I ever drive the ball as far as you? I don't yeah, think I yes, you outdrove me a couple of times. Did I? Yes. This and dude, you found my golf ball. I did which find his golf ball. saved me so, two strokes. I know that 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 is true, but it it's really annoying when you get it to the tee and then you hit him, pink. I'm like, I'm not gonna get it that far. Some of you don't understand the sports thing, but I was just like, I'm I'm only 46. He is out driving me every time. That's my competitive nature. I apologize. All right, yeah. coming back to circle, uh, you've been involved with life on life for many years. Maybe just. What is it? Because this may be a new term for some of us. What is life on life? Well, we're involved with uh, partnering um, people within, within the church um, to invest in each other and just together walk with the Lord. Yeah. And um, so it's a great delight um, to Jesus to see us walking with him. And um, so that's and, what we do. And your role, because um, you both have been leading it, you're both of our deacon, uh, two of our deacons, and so your specific role is you're helping make those connections because sometimes they just don't naturally happen. Maybe, Chris, I know you don't want to talk, but just give us one of the highlights. Just You've been doing this for years. You love everybody, and it, it, it shows. But what has been a highlight of investing your life and connecting people, maybe older, or maybe further along in a career, with someone who's younger in, in this relationship? Well, the way we do it is, um, if you're interested in having a mentor, then um, you fill out a form, and then I will look at that form, and I will go, oh, God, please help me pair these people up. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, they come to me and go, this is great. I now have a new friend. I have someone I can really talk to. And it was a good match. And yeah. that's really just God yeah. matching those people together. What an um, interesting role. You're a matchmaker. A matchmaker. Yeah. Matchmaker, yeah. matchmaker. Yeah. Give me a match. Yeah. <laughs> Something. I think that's a music. I think I just quoted a musical. <laughs> Don't just, make me sing. <laughs> okay. My wife's going to be very proud because she's like, ah, I'm in your head. All right. Um. Okay, so if I wanted to be involved, um, how, what, do I, what do I do? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Ask. Right up here. Um, on the website, if you will look, um, I think it's under serve, um, you will find Life on Life. And um, just shoot us an email, and we'll get back to you, and we'll have coffee with you. And um, that's if you want to be a mentor. Anyone can be a mentor. Yeah. I, I feel it's very biblical. I feel that um, you can train people, or <laughs> train, you can teach people um, just to be friends and to know more about Jesus um, and, and just in your everyday walk, life on life with them. So um, if you want to be a mentor, contact us. If you want to have someone that you want to walk alongside of, then contact us too and we'll do that. And there's no like huge, we want to 
we want to break down these weird stereotypes. You say, someone said, well, I'm not qualified. <laughs> it's like you love Jesus mm-hmm. and you have a bit of life experience. Is that, That's all. Is it that simple? That's that simple. Yeah. And I feel like everyone can serve in this capacity, whether you're a mentor or a mentee. Um, I just feel like just making that connection. If you're brand new here at church, what a great way to meet one friend. Um, what a great way to um, visit with them over coffee, talk about the church, and then eventually maybe get in a missional community. Yeah. Um, you just need one person to do that with. That's great. Thank you guys so much. You're um, this is the secret sauce to, I think, why people stay at 26 <laughs> West Church. It's Mike and Chris. Thank you. We love you guys. We love you guys. Thank you. And I'm glad I saved you two strokes because I need all the help I can get. Um, See, it's that that simple. Um, Two takeaways. Because when we hear these types of things, where do we go? We're going to dive in next week uh, on some of the things that we can grow in. But I think for today, two questions. Who should I thank? And who should I be investing in? There are people in your world that are already influencing you. Can you do me a favor? This week, be intentional. Be creative. Be fun about it. Thank them. Why? Because there's something wonderful that happens when you realize that God is using you. And they may not know how deeply God is using you in their world. So just encourage them. And then think about your world at present. I'm not suggesting, it could be a new person. You could be a life-on-life mentor and be given a new relationship. But for most of us, it's just going to be, there's someone already there. And and just ask yourself, God, is there some area of investment I'm missing out on? Is there something I could be doing? And frankly, if you're a parent, uh, you don't need to look outside your own four walls. It's probably, Lord, enable me this week to keep these precious ones who seem very out of sync with you. Help me to keep them alive and push them along in loving you, right? That it could be as simple as that. Um, Paul and Timothy, both followers of Jesus. Now I'm going to respond. Uh, on the first Sunday of every month, we open up the baptismal because we believe that the way to really live life is in and through Jesus. And if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe in our heart that God has indeed raised Jesus from the dead, we're rescued and given a whole new life. And the evidence of that is we go into the water. As Jesus went under, we go under. The old life is gone as Jesus rose again. So we come out of the water and we show the world, I'm now new and I'm alive in him. This morning, if you've not been baptized in water, since you started following Jesus. Maybe you haven't started. You can start right now. Just say, Jesus, you know who I am, and now I believe who you are. You're the Son of God. I, I today, with all my junk and baggage, I'm going to go your way, and I want to be your child, and I want to follow you. And what he'll do is he'll give you his Holy Spirit, the enabling presence of God to live out the ways of God. And I encourage you, today, when we go to the tables, I invite you just to walk over and go to the water, meet with someone. They'll pray with you there. And then at the end of our gathering, we'll baptize you in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, guys, for being patient. I know we've been doing a lot this morning, but we're in for some good things as we learn to lead. 
why don't we stand up? Jesus, thank you that you're enough, that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or imagine. And now we ask as we go into worship and choose to sing songs that point us to you. Holy Spirit of God, remind us who to thank and show us the investment we need to make in the lives of one of your children. We pray these things in Jesus' name.